Welcome everybody to the Average Joe Music Show. We're giving you a little sample there at the beginning of what we're talking about today. Hope you're all doing well. How are you guys doing? We got Garrett and Cam here with me as usual. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's been a minute. Pretty good. Pretty good. Kind of, kind of excited to talk about this one. I think uh, there's a lot of different places to go with it. Um, you get a uh, real macro i think with a topic like this so yeah yeah definitely <laughs> cam this was so today we're talking about uh new york hardcore so um you get ready uh get your hair spiked <laughs> strap or in just shave it all off and and yeah and, and just buckle buckle in tight we're definitely gonna have some pretty solid samples for you guys today um and uh, well this like i said this was cam's topic so i'm gonna go ahead and just kind of flip it over to you cam right here at the beginning and uh as well as if you if you want to just kind of give us a idea of the reason you chose that one to uh, to begin with honestly i was thinking like man like that's like a great intro song if we wanted to just like roll that every every episode <laughs> for the intro. <laughs> it's like really solid i was like feeling like professional Feels but right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, just kind of give us an idea of uh, your reason for choosing the topic and your um, just kind of your thoughts and and I guess why we started off with that song. If there's any particular reason, and I'll just sit back, I'll enjoy some of this mate while I listen to you, you t- give us a rundown. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean, as I've said before on the show, I'm I'm kind of into hardcore. That's my my favorite genre and. Uh, you know, if I was stuck on a desert island, that's probably what I'd be listening to. Um, but uh, I just kind of wanted to narrow in on on New York uh, because, hard, you know, hardcore is just so so broad, so such a big topic, and uh, I feel like narrowing in on New York kind of covers a lot of the history of where hardcore comes from. You know, what is the difference between hardcore and punk? Um, you know, Creighton, I mean, I don't think if you went to a hardcore show, you would see the, the spiked mohawk. Um, but you're a, a little more uh, spot on about shaving it all off. Yeah, um, I think that's why I was trying to correct myself there. I was like, <laughs> as, as I said it, I was like, wait, no, 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 hold on. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, knowing some people within kind of the hardcore uh genre just like people around my sphere i had a couple of friends that had like mohawks and then 
definitely like some like kind of just like regular um you know kind of a corporate cut with a twist sometimes and then a lot of guys just shaving it all off so i i i spoke way too soon with that one hmm. for sure well i you know i think it uh you know <clears throat> needs to be clarified kind of you know where hardcore came from versus punk. yeah um you know like if you go back into you know the history of rock and roll and everything like you know punk kind of started in the 60s and 70s and um at a certain point i think people were were getting kind of burned out on it you know and um especially the kind of negativity and apathy in punk and hardcore came about you know with with more of like a positive message and kind of like um kind of a counter to that a little bit um but you know people call it hardcore punk like it's still you know, kind of the same thing, the same roots, you know, it's just very like DIY ethic. Um, but, you know, it just kind of has a little bit more of like a metal inspiration and uh, maybe even like some hip hop in there. Um, so it, they're definitely in the same family tree. Um, but, you know, hardcore has its own aesthetic and, um that all is just kind of a reaction to what punk was. Yeah. That's um, what I, I like about hardcore is that, um, I, I, I liked your point of it being kind of DIY. Um, that's something that I think draws me to it. It was, especially being someone that can't afford, you know, a, an American made a guitar or whatever, you know, Gibson or Fender or whatever. Like I'm kind of just, trying to find what I can get for a decent price. And I've, I've always loved that aspect of just any artist, but hardcore is definitely kind of one of those genres that constantly pushes that of like, you just make what you can with what you have. Um, and I think that it, the genre proves that you can definitely make some pretty, um, incredible music and you don't have to have all the, all the stops, you know, which was what's interesting about um, punk is kind of like a um, a response to, you know, like hair metal and long solos and 10, 15, 20 minute songs, uh, stuff like that. And to, th to think that hardcore is like a response to punk, it's just like an interesting thing how, you know, everything goes out of fashion at some point. It's just mm -hmm. kind of crazy to think about, you know, hardcore being a response to punk because punk was a little too much of something too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and uh, most of the hardcore stuff that I enjoy came out of, um, you know, came out around like the early nineties, late eighties, um, that stuff kind of tapers off around like the, you know, early two thousands. Uh, and then you get into all of the other responses to hardcore because everyone yeah. kind of got tired of like the same, you know, bar chord yeah. uh, recipe and everything. And so now you get all this, um, you know, different sorts of, you know, metal core and, you know, right. yeah, all the million different sub genres of, of hardcore that they're out now. And I, th um, I think it is like 
interesting in a certain way and like kind of important to kind of I mean New York especially in the early 80s is just like an incubator for so much music that ends up yeah really important to us today and I think it's hard for us to go forward without mentioning really importantly in like the mid 70s the Ramones happened right and um there there's a a couple of venues that helped like birth new york hardcore and you know hip-hop even and you know a lot of different really interesting music is that it's important to remember um cbgb's and like max's kansas city and like a couple of these venues that really you know they were they they were kind of bringing in a lot of acts that were you know sort of considered proto-punk or whatever acts like you know the clash from overseas or you know the damned or even other kind of i would say proto hardcore bands um that come from the states which i i uh looking at the notes i think we're probably going to talk about a couple of those a little bit um but it, it kind of brought in some of these like important proto punk bands and then the Ramones happen and they're kind of like the most New York and the most punk band to ever happen. And I think it, it's a good starting place, I think, for what we want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think like a good place to start with with hardcore is with Bad Brains, which yes. was, you know, they're from D.C., Um but they were just so wild and, you know, kept getting banned from all of the venues in That's DC right. that they, uh, you know, went up to New York and uh, kind of became like the godfathers of New York hardcore. Um, and the shows that they were playing at like CBGBs are just legendary. Um, and they're just so, <laughs> so much more aggressive and, you know the the pits and the stage dives and just the whole thing is uh, a big departure from punk rock. You know, I think that's yeah. kind of like almost where you draw the line between like punk and hardcore, and then you know everything that kind of came was happening at that same time as Bad Brains uh, mm-hmm. went into the hardcore realm. Yeah, it, it, important I think to remember that like um, you know DC and New Jersey were like the misfits are from all these places are really smushed pretty close together and um yeah you know bad brains end up moving to new york at some point but at some point they're you know just kind of coming up and they're like blowing everybody's minds (laughs) it's sort of the it's sort of the first real stepping stone for hardcore i mean they're kind of the the godfathers in that way of I think they're maybe a little bit more of uh, an unconventional hardcore band because they just were incorporating so many like disparate musical elements and created a thing that was just kind of like completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, e- even to the bands that came after them and were really influenced by them, but they were, you know, they they were kind of the reason. <laughs> It's it's interesting to me. Like I know that within like the like you know music junkies and you know people who are really into music and whatever, 
they people know about Bad Brains, but I feel like they're just one of those really underrated bands that don't get talked about enough. Um especially within like the hardcore realm, because to me, um like if you're looking for an intro into hardcore, Bad Brains is your way to go. Um because I mean if you're into like rock and stuff like in in whatever they're a pretty easy, uh, digestible group to first take on and then move into everything else. At least that's that was my experience. Um, I I freaking love Bad Brains. I mean, up into like the dub stuff that they do. So, um, but for me, it was just like some of the stuff that was being done I, and also in the time frames, you know, because we're talking about, it, you know, it's still punk music. So we're not talking about long songs. But these songs have like so much jam packed into them. It's just like I remember like first hearing Bad Brains and going like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And this is the very end of the 70s, mind you, basically, that they. Yeah, exactly. They start coming up to New York is um, right before kind of like the New York thing pops off. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, after, you know, Bad Brains, I think, like, you know, I mean, we talk a little bit about Agnostic Front, um, you know, like, they they kind of had that, like, the skinhead look, and I, I feel like kind of, like, they shaped that aesthetic of what hardcore was for a long time, um, and, you know, kind of, they were kind of trendsetters, and, um Personally, I, I like Madball a lot, um, you know, which came later. And, yes. you know, it's all oh, interrelated. Um, Madball was one of the first uh, hardcore bands that I listened to. Um, my friend Jeff kind of got me into them. and um, But I think, like, like, you know, Madball has that, like, some of their albums bring in that hip-hop stuff and it's always talking about like how they're on the lower East side, you know, I mean, like New York in the eighties was a pretty rough place. Um, you know, the whole like war on drugs and crack going on and, um, you know, they're, they're a product of their environment. Um, and that's where I think you get that kind of crossover, like the hip hop and hardcore and punk and all that kind of blending together is, you know, just, came out of that breeding ground you know yeah absolutely and uh i was thinking a lot about it um kind of over the last week or so it's really interesting to look at a lot of the acts that were coming through cbgb's coming through max's kansas city coming through like the ritz and like these different clubs hip-hop kind of happens simultaneously with a lot of this stuff which i think helps put it into perspective um that like you know uh uh sugar hill gang i think happened in like 79 or something like that you've got uh run dmc which is kind of in my mind out of queens i believe like sort of the invention of like modern hip-hop and kind of stepping away from a lot of these more just kind of straight you know james brown samples and that kind of stuff and to see both of these happening happening simultaneously like it kind of frames i think 
like the vocal content of a lot of this music because a lot of it is kind of just like screamed rap kind of (laughs) in a pretty big way and uh especially when you start to look towards the um yeah like uh your your mad ball or your like um like biohazard is a great example yeah um of like where it does kind of take that thing as well and it it just kind of goes back to this point that new york is such an important place for this to all happen because like uh like graffiti writing is a huge part of both of these cultures as well and it kind of like bridges the gap between both of them in a pretty meaningful way of like um the the documentary i linked you guys in the discord um whether you had a chance to watch it or not there's a whole bit about uh graffiti writing in new york kind of in the early 80s and it was not illegal to do in new york until like the late 80s you could do (laughs) it and it was allowed (laughs) like it just was not made illegal until later and so it was like a really legitimate art form you know for a time and obviously still is but you know the you know the the legality of it makes it kind of difficult right yeah definitely yeah i mean Garrett and I guess we you, you guys can talk about this too but I'm thinking we've kind of talked about a couple of these bands and Madballs come up with several times maybe we can throw in a quick sample oh, of yeah. uh, of a Madball song um Let's do that I just want to make sure we give everybody a taste I'm not sure if you have anything in mind or if it's from a different band but I just think up to this point um it might be nice for somebody to get an idea of kind of what we're talking about. sound of these guys in particular or like some of the stuff that um man it's funny with hardcore that you have like um the the documentary i was referencing before for those who are interested um is uh the new york hardcore chronicles i believe um and it's really interesting to hear a lot of these like old heads classify um you know basically 80 to like 86 as like two different waves of music um and i i think uh madball is a really really good place to start with talking about like you know thrash metal and what what does that mean to hardcore you know yeah i mean um i know that agnostic front has been criticized a little bit and um part of their sort of eventual demise was that they were trying to go a little bit commercial uh, you know and become a little bit more uh mainstream or you know just trying to get out there whereas a lot of the earlier 
bands, you know, couldn't care less about fame or making money off of it. Um, and, uh, you know, like after agnostic front, you got bands, um, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, like anthrax or some of these that are, you know, kind of came out of hardcore that got on the MTV and got some exposure there. Um, and that kind of diverges from, from hardcore, um, Oh, you, know, yeah. you get some of that, you know, thrash metal and stuff that that did make it big, but hardcore still kind of just stayed under the radar the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and particularly in um '83, I believe you have um oh what's it? It's uh Metallica's first album comes out, and um uh, Slayer's first album comes out comes out around the same time. Of you have um. It's interesting. Like, uh, I found kind of doing research on this that there's real sort of purists on what what the sound is and like what makes hardcore or whatever, or you know what makes it first wave versus second wave or third wave or you know whatever exhausting conversation to where <laughs> I think that they're just kind of more integral to each other than that. Like, I think kind of like um, thrash sort of came up independently from um, hardcore and vice versa. But I think honestly, both of those genres made each other better uh, for existing. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, like I think really honestly, most of the really good, hardcore like the stuff i really like you know your chromags or something like i'm really partial to them and they're technically like a crossover band they're kind of this big moment where you know it goes from just kind of extreme wall of sound you know um hardcore music to actually like you know the metal kids came over and started playing some guitar and some drums and stuff. It was pretty divisive, I think, culturally, but overall was good for both genres. Like the the thrash bands got better, and so did the hardcore bands. I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at one of my favorite thrash bands, and they definitely came a lot later. It was Atheist. Yeah, and they came a lot later, kind of after that. Um, you know. 80, 86, their first album in 89. Um, and yeah, like uh, coming from like <laughs> Anthrax, that's a whole, I mean, it's like a whole new thing, you know? So, yeah, I mean, uh, Garrett, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of the like youth crew stuff? Um, you know, if you want to yeah. talk about some like youth of today or. Yeah. Um, kind of when you, I guess, like go back towards the idea that like what we're talking about is specifically New York based, right? Um, a huge part of that scene and especially when like the thrash metal band stuff starts to come in, um, a really important thing that happens is that, um, uh, for for a lot of these New York clubs, you have um, an element of like underage people coming in. And so in, in that day, um, 
you know, you'd come in underage or whatever, and they'd put this big old marker X on your hand, right? And that sort of became its own culture in a lot of these like dingy small clubs. And um, that develops into a thing that I think like the term is a little bit of a misnomer now. So this becomes straight edge um, is what happens is like these underage kids kind of come together as a community and they sort of agree that, oh, it's not that we can't drink or do drugs, right? It's that we won't drink or do drugs. Because um, a lot of these clubs were pretty, like I say, it's like heroin and like cocaine and like a lot of the drug use and stuff was pretty out in the open. It was uh, pretty real <laughs> in that way. And there were a lot of these kids, you know, walking around with the X's on their hands that kind of identified with each other, you know, especially listening to a lot of this hardcore um, music or hip hop or whatever it was, they sort of found each other and were like, you know, th this is kind of where we're going to take the music. And that's sort of where youth of today comes in, I think, a bit is that they're the straight edge hardcore band. I, I think they're the most notable. It's sort of after the thrash metal comes in. And um, I think the music was already like a bit socially conscious already at that point. But especially youth of today and then like, you know, your Cro-Mags or your um, uh, who else? Gorilla Biscuits and stuff that comes after, which a lot of these bands, you go, you can go look them up. Like a lot of the same people make up these bands. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's yeah. it's it's a lot of the usual suspects here. Um, but there was this real kind of interesting undercurrent that develops of these straight edge kids kind of coming into the scene and making, I think, even a little bit more socially and like politically conscious music. Um, also, interestingly enough, a bunch of these dudes were Hare Krishna as well. I don't know exactly where that comes in, um, there's probably a really interesting story to that. But, uh, yeah, I think Cam, you know a little bit more about that because Cam is Cam sent me on a sabbatical <laughs> with uh, Krishna Core. Yeah, and, uh, cool. Yeah, I can get more into that later, but <laughs> but I'll let uh, Cam kind of go into that because that that was kind of something that really caught my attention. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean you know like you were saying. Uh, so Ray Capo, the yes. front man from yeah. Youth of Today, um, you know, he, he later in his career started the band Shelter, which is kind That's of right. a quintessential uh, Krishna core band. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there's a pretty interesting podcast with him on the Joe Rogan podcast, actually. Okay. Um, and, you know, Joe Rogan's from New York, and uh, he also had... What's his name? Is it John James or Josh James uh, on there um, from Cro-Mags? <laughs> and oh. both of those interviews are really interesting. <laughs> yeah, just hearing these guys' life stories, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah they're also uh, kind of like muscle heads as well, right? Yeah, they're all, you know, into lifting and, and all that. Um, but uh, anyhow, yeah. Um, if you have a chance to listen to that Ray Capo interview, he kind of tells you the whole story, but 
uh, I, a lot of it just comes out, you know, comes from like how violent the, you know, the neighborhoods were and everything and how violent the shows the scene, were yeah. seen. And I think people that were kind of just getting bored of, or not bored of, it's never boring, but uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of, kind of tired of all the violence and just you know things getting out of hand and the venue getting trashed and everything and um you know like you said kind of the the underage kids being forced to you know kind of stay stay clean and that um and kind of raise this whole like consciousness thing of like hey what are we doing here this is supposed to be a positive message and we're beating each other up and mm-hmm you know, doing drugs and getting out of control. And so that's kind of where that whole thing came from. And I think um, the Krishna stuff was kind of like the the pendulum swinging all the way to that side. <laughs> yeah, know, I think so. Took it pretty far, but, um, you know, it was pretty niche kind of thing. There, there were only a couple of bands that were, uh, you know, really into that and and whatnot um you know kind of flash in the pan but but very interesting for sure um, and seeing that positivity come out of that like you know when you listen but to you said that, like, um so positive but i i was just gonna kind of touch on that a little bit because uh yeah what, regardless of your feelings or opinions on joe rogan uh it's definitely worth listening to that interview uh because, yeah, Ray Capo is like, it is really cool to hear his story. Um, and, but I just, so if I'm remembering correctly, Cam, he he did like a, he actually went out and became a monk. Yeah. And then came back and kind of started Krishna Core, correct? Um, yeah, I think it was all kind of going on simultaneously. Because you could live, uh, you know, in the, I don't know if they call it a monastery or, um, uh-huh. you know, in the temple um but they would do that and then go out and play shows <laughs> and he did go over and live in india for a while um yeah that's what i was remembering yeah um but it is kind of an interesting uh you know sort of paradox <laughs> this uh you know sort of something you think of as being so like zen and peaceful and then going to like a completely insane concert like mm-hmm. it, it's really funny to look up some shelter videos on youtube um you know yeah. you see him come out in like a yellow monk yeah. robe yeah and just start going crazy on stage you yeah. know like it's uh, well and i think they were like serving doll to like all like the like you know patrons before the concerts like they would be out like he, he would be like out in his van and he would have like a bunch of doll, like, and everybody, you know, whoever wanted to come and like have some, you know, food before the show, he was out there. Like if I'm, I, I, I'm just trying to, it's, you know, been three years since I listened to that interview and I should have remembered to listen to it, but before the show, but yeah, um, I just remember him saying that. And I just thought it's kind of like you said, that's what caught my attention about it. Um, was just the, sheer opposites of kind of what you would assume with hardcore music and um you know be becoming a monk whether that be within the you know buddhist tradition or the hindu tradition it's just like both you know it's just so 
you would just see that as so polar opposite than when I was, and I actually really enjoyed Shelter's music as well. And it's really cool to listen to Ray Capo. So like I said, like definitely you go check out something from him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause it's, it's really cool to kind of hear the story behind all that. Yeah. And that, you know, that uh, John Joseph interview, like, I mean, he's just talking about like, you know, being a drug addict and practically homeless and, you know, Mm -hmm. changing and becoming like super focused. And he's into all these like ultra marathons and like just, you know, complete like PMA. uh, Yeah. Just positive dude now. Um, and uh, before I forget, I, I think like one of the other important things just for like uh, this all being a part of, you know, um, the response to sort of what hardcore was initially in a lot of ways is um, we we also can't forget um, Minor Threat out of D.C. as well. They literally wrote the song Straight Edge. Um, yeah, that is kind of. Like uh, they they were sort of uh, Ian Mackay of a uh, uh, minor threat was, you know, also heavily influenced by um, bad brains, the, you know, the sort of friends of his. And they sort of encouraged him to pursue, you know, music f- further in a lot of ways. And I think um, it just when you're when you're talking about sort of this pool of all these different things uh, that happen is, you know, there's a lot of these things you you can't forget about. Minor Threat ended up being, um, uh, w- with that song Straight Edge, they sort of laid out the template for this thing of you know kind of clean body, clean mind sort of living um, that ended up influencing a lot of these bands. And then when you you circle back around on like Youth of Today and some of these Straight Edge bands start playing a lot of these older heads like these older hardcore dudes start circling around and also getting sober and like uh doing the whole thing and it just becomes kind of like the thrash metal thing such an integral part of the genre in a really big way yeah you know after the you know kind of early straight edge stuff from there you kind of go into um you know, I'd put in like Earth Crisis yes. in this playlist. You know, they're not a uh, New York City band. They're, I think they're from Buffalo, if I remember right. Um, That's or Syracuse. Right. Somewhere um, close, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've got like Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Oh, um, yeah. You know, a couple early, of big, big early... Uh, early 90s stuff. Early 90s, uh, you know, Earth Crisis being like very straight edge. Um, you know, like... <laughs> pretty much like militant um yeah mm-hmm. and uh you know snapcase i don't think they ever like built themselves as a straight edge band but are kind of like one of the biggest ones um even though they don't like you know claim it or right it's under the surface there the whole time yeah um with with earth crisis i mean i i find their music to definitely be very environmentally conscious Oh, and yeah. it struck me. It struck me as interesting because if you look at this album, Forever True, um, you got like the two wrenches there, and I was I was like doing all this research on that 
because I had to find out if that was inspired by Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang, because that's a symbol used in yeah. that book uh, oh. for... Uh, Earth First, I believe, is the name of the group that's uh, in the book yeah. that uses that symbolism. And they took that because the monkey wrench, they would go and, like, you know, blow up tractors that were trying to build roads and, like, public lands and, you know, southern Utah, northern Arizona right landscapes and 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 so the monkey wrench was kind of you know uh, just a symbol of that so and i'm being a huge huge fan of edward abbey and the monkey wrench gang um i was just like I, like when i saw it i was like hmm that's interesting you know yeah, yeah. um because i was like it, it has to be connected and there's no like official proof but there's definitely a lot of redditors that seem to have a similar idea of that oh yeah i mean you know you just listen to their lyrics and it's pretty yeah pretty clear yeah <laughs> um, yeah i i really me being a environmentalist is like that was like super resonating with me um i i really enjoyed earth crisis it was just something i didn't the band i didn't know about previously so that was that was definitely a new road for me same and also they were kind of my uh favorite discovery from all of this stuff of um definitely uh yeah uh completely new to me and um really yeah oh yeah i sort of missed out on a lot of like the 90s hardcore stuff i'm uh-huh. now circling around to a lot more of the current stuff um but there's a really big blind spot for me from uh for for a lot of like the 90s to early 2000s stuff um, yeah. and it sounds really clean like their, yeah. their production <laughs> is gnarly their uh their guitars are just so metallic sounding yeah yeah and, um yeah really good that was a really good discovery for me oh yeah i mean earth crisis is interesting because um i feel like they were kind of like I don't know if they were commercially successful, but they were, I feel like, in the 90s, a pretty popular band, and at least, you know, in Utah. um, You know, we're all from Utah, and it's kind of an interesting scene here. Like, Straight Edge, you know, and Hardcore in the 90s was pretty big here, and Salt Lake had a pretty notorious reputation for being a rough place, um, you know, at the concerts themselves um and yeah you know as a kid it was like oh you know earth crisis is coming again and um i I think there was a lady actually got killed at earth crisis show or 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 no the or no that a lady didn't get killed a lady killed the uh, dude Um, oh no (laughs) because i guess like things were getting out of hand and the bouncers started like attacking this lady's boyfriend and uh, she had like yeah, stiletto high heels on and she went up and just like, kicked the dude in the head and the uh, oh. stiletto like <laughs> hit the guy in the temple and killed the dude wow huh um i mean it was like <laughs> pretty wild here because like in yes in salt lake uh you know which is the head of the uh church of jesus christ of latter-day saints aka mormon church um you know, there was kind of like 
in that culture, it's not okay to like drink and smoke and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, myself included, um, there was a lot of, you know, being brought up that way, but you were still into like punk and stuff. It was kind of like a natural, just funnel, like straight into the whole straight edge thing. I mean, yeah, there, uh, we had, a uh, yeah, same, like growing up, uh, I, I just think, uh, here we had, Maybe maybe it still exists. I I, I think it's probably kind of moved on from hardcore music at this point. But I, I do remember growing up that there um we had a really interesting straight edge you know contingent around here of it um it's it's a weird thing um that I I think his you know outside of the practicality of why it existed in a place like new york to a place like here where there's fewer you know all ages venues say it did lead to a really interesting um uh straight edge contingent here where i think people were kind of i don't know maybe that's just kind of it's you know, I mean, I feel like the culture here in Salt Lake in general is very polarized. Like if you're, yeah. mm-hmm. if you're not into the church, it's like, oh, I feel like a lot of people go, the pendulum swings so far to the other yes. side where they're, you know, yeah. trying to rebel. So they're going to, you know, drink and party like extra hard, you know? And yeah. I feel like that exact same thing carried over to the hardcore scene where like yes. you'd go to shows and it was like super violent. Like people would. Yes. They'd be sober, just... but they'd be starting fights. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it was just like someone always had beef or like the pit was just crazy. Like one time I, uh, I went to Nashville for work and I, um, happened to be there when Casey Jones was playing and oh, went to the Casey yeah. Jones concert. And like this, this girl, like, you know, kind of decked me in the face in the pit, but like total accident. And she's like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't mean to do that. And I'm like, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like that was just like a love tap, you know? Yeah. It, it was just like, so like mellow compared to how it is here, you know? Yeah. It was, it was, people can go to modest mouse here and mosh oh yeah so, oh yeah i mean it's it's oh, not yeah. like it's it's not like you have to go to a hardcore concert for things to get heated oh man oh, yeah. yeah like i went to the <laughs> cascade concert <laughs> yeah in provo okay yeah sure it, it was one of those where they were doing the free like block party you know outdoor yep. concert so of course you know it's a free show you get all these jokers showing up um and he almost had to shut the show down because there was like mm-hmm. these dudes like trying to mosh in the front of <laughs> an edm concert you know yeah oh yeah and, well I, that actually leads into something i wanted to ask you guys because for me um by you know uh i'm definitely much younger than both of you guys but uh so i grew up you know i was in high school from 2009 to 2012 in the straight edge uh the like people within like the straight edge community when i was in high school it seemed like it definitely moved on from yes hardcore music and is definitely moved I, I don't know what it's like now but um kind of moved into more of a rave EDM kind of uh, feel. And I was just wondering, like, do you guys have any insight on that? Or I I want to make sure I wasn't wrong because that was like, um, 
I guess it's something interesting for me being a lot younger, um, not necessarily knowing where straight edge came from. Uh, for me growing up, it was like, oh, like I thought it was just kind of like a gang, but then it kind of turns out right. like, it definitely didn't start off as that. No, and that's sort of, uh, w- you know, what it became. And I think, you know, not only here, but a lot of places that straight edge, you know, reached to. Um, my kind of take on that as a person who's just kind of consistently gone to a lot of different types of shows for a long time um, in Utah and outside of Utah is that I think just, you know, anecdotally, my observation is I do think you're kind of right. Like, I do think like big room EDM stuff and like some of the electronic stuff attracted some of that crowd. And, and I think it's just more that, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, whatever young people are into at the time. And also, interestingly, um, I was mentioning to my roommate earlier, um, any of the hardcore or like kind of metal or thrash metal shows that I've been to in the last like, say, maybe five, six years or whatever now are the best crowds consistently always yeah always it's just a bunch of nerds basically yeah. it's really great i kind of love it yeah yeah thrash metal um, definitely but, is uh, kind of become uh, that kind of crowd yeah cam what do you think about that yeah i i can't really speak to the edm crossover um i mean i you know personally enjoy some of that i think maybe that's because it is sort of a youth culture kind of thing and, you know, maybe a little more underground, Um, you know, and I think one thing to mention is like, you know, hardcore is kind of, I don't want to say it's dead, but no, I feel like it kind of like all the artists that are still around today um, tour over in Europe primarily. Yeah. Um, Sick of it all. Because they love it over there. Um, You know, whereas here, like if, you know, a big band like, say, Earth Crisis or Sick of It All uh, was to book Salt Lake. You might get kind of the old veterans, like you yeah. know, like people my okay. age. They're like, you know, thirties, forties are going to come and check it out. Um, yeah, but the younger kids don't care about it or know about it, or you know, they're just not going to put down the numbers. But if they go over to Europe, they could play a stadium, and they just love their like oh, yeah. heavy music over there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, spending time over in Europe, you know, several years being there, it's really interesting to see that this hardcore and just punk in general, it's still so, like, big. Like, of course, like, yeah, um, when it comes to just popular music in general, it's the same thing as here. You know, you're going to have all of your same big artists like The Weeknd and... um, uh whoever else it might be uh, ariana grande like they listen to all of that that same stuff like all of that's still being played on the radio but it, when, when it comes it's interesting to see how there's still like a very young movement within kind of this group like that like all of these um just like frustrated with government kind of issues and things like right. that yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of that still over there that really um really pushes this kind of music so it's just interesting 
to hear you say that because that was definitely my experience. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, maybe in the United States, the whole, maybe we've gotten soft, um, culturally, but, uh, you know, if you go over to, I think it's, you know, in Korea, uh, even Japan, um, hardcore is blowing up over yes. there because like they've, their cultures are so it's an import con- conformity. Well, and their, their cultures are just so conformity based, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So we're, you know, now we're importing that, you know, ethos of, you know, rebelling against authority mm-hmm. and, um, yeah being, you know, conscious about politics and things like that, uh, you know, that whole just DIY punk rock thing yeah. is becoming relevant in those cultures um, because they're getting exposed to it now. And, and I think like a lot of the good current hardcore is coming out of these foreign countries, you know, like oh, yeah. Mexico even like, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where things go. Um, you know, it seems like, domestically produced hardcore uh it's kind of in the the whole like it's almost kind of just blended into metal now i feel like um yeah you know when you get bands that are just ultra heavy like say like knocked loose or uh code orange yes um, you know where like code orange when you listen to their earlier stuff it's very much like hardcore and then the tradition more yeah yeah now it's um some kind of experimental and yeah almost industrial or uh you know just metal um and and also that uh that turnstile album that came out this year is yeah and it's like such amazing fusion of like they're you know bringing in a lot of kind of popular music and like r&b elements and different things like that it's sick yeah and, and another one that's kind of made it big that I've come to come across recently is Havoc. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of them, mm-hmm. like they're kind of another one of those thrash metal bands that seem to be having pretty, pretty serious success, like especially kind of for a metal band today. And I think a lot of that has to do, I heard a, a saying once that it takes like two decades for something to kind of come back and I think you've been seeing throughout the 2010 era a lot of that 80s style uh, Reese. from yep. music. And, and obviously it's still going on, but I think you're going to start to see a lot of the 90s kind of bleed its way oh, yes. back into music as people yeah. start to come back with that. And so... I mean, and, and then in the 2000s, you had all those India bands that are kind of, you could definitely cross the line from Beatles and stuff. So I think like you're just kind of seeing that resurgence that's going to start coming through right now. And that's probably going to be spearheaded from bands from Europe and Japan and probably, you know, wherever. Um, because you're right, like that's like where a lot of really the like progressive hardcore and metal music is coming out of. It's not necessarily coming from the states it's coming from elsewhere <laughs> and i guess the other cliche is sweden but yeah i mean it's it's kind of cool to just see like where all of this stuff goes you know from bad brains if i mean i guess from the ramones and then you move on to kind of bad brains and then 
to just see like how all of this turns into, you know, and That's what right. that the, that punk culture turns into straight edge and then straight edge goes a step further to Krishna core. And then, you know, it's just interesting to see what like one genre can morph itself into yeah. over, you know, sp- specific spans of time. It's just crazy. And, uh, we've kind of mentioned, I think basically all of them, but, uh, Cam, do you want to give everybody kind of a quick breakdown of basically the bands you included in our playlist so that people at home can kind of go look for it? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we even talked about Sick of It All. Not really. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to talk Which about Which is such a huge band, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was going to say that was kind of the one that really caught my attention aside from Earth Crisis. So I was actually kind of surprised we didn't talk about that. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the huge export hardcore band. Like they were the real big one to make it internationally and like around the US. And, you know, they took it. And places. they're, yeah, I mean, they're still going. You oh, know? yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, I love Sick of It All. Um, you know, we, their artwork has gone downhill in, in <laughs> recent years, though. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a product of the Lower <laughs> East Side, like early '90s kind of, well, '80s kind of deal. You know, I think they've been going since like '82, if I remember right. <laughs> um, yeah, they've been they've been going pretty strong since uh, the '80s. So yeah trying to think what bands we didn't talk about gorilla biscuits um, we didn't really mention which are another kind of favorite of mine yeah i mean we didn't really get into like judge or marauder oh, yeah all out war ice pick let's see oh you know h2o they're kind of associated with the uh, like sick of it all and um, oh, you know okay. they're actually you know i wouldn't necessarily call h2o hardcore I, they're kind of in that cross between like punk and hardcore. Like they were a little bit more kind of poppy, I guess you'd say. Um, but definitely integral in the scene. Um, yeah. Biohazard, even like typo negative, which right. I would kind of say is more like industrial or metal, like goth kind of metal came out of there, you know? And, uh, yeah. I'm a big typo negative fan. I like that guy a lot. He's kind of an interesting dude. Yeah. Uh, Quicksand is always a good one. Um, so, but yeah. Yeah. No. Typo negative is definitely a good one for the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it is October, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I guess when this gets released, it might not be October anymore, but next October. <laughs> um, I do think this leaves room for us if we could, uh, you know, in the future discuss, uh, more specific projects in depth but i think this is like a really good place for like man new york kind of spawned a lot of really interesting music and new york hardcore is kind of like one of a few but like one of the great real american art forms that is pretty specific to you know a place but also you know a time in different ways um and i think there's such a deep rabbit hole right of like there's tons of different uh, styles and bands and and whatever and um 
Um, yeah, kind of like I mentioned before, uh, that New York Hardcore Chronicles uh, documentary is pretty good. Um, if, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this kind of stuff, it's uh, the, my one main critique of it is that it kind of assumes like it's made by a guy in the scene um, for people in the scene, basically, that it kind of like assumes you just know what a lot of these bands are already but has a lot of really insane interviews and like um, pretty good stuff and is a great place to jump off with kind of all of this stuff. Um, For sure. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, this was, this is like a really fun, fun topic and um, yeah, it's been kind of cool hearing a lot more about it from both of you guys. Um because uh, I'm definitely coming from the outside on this one. And um, yeah, so I mean, I found a lot of cool stuff that I've already mentioned. And um, yeah, I think, Cam, it would be really cool if you've... I, I want to hear kind of the other coast to kind of hear the differences for next time. I mean, you don't have to do it as your next choice, but at some point I'd love to hear kind of what LA does. I'm more familiar with the LA scene because of... Be you know, growing up in the skate scene, um, you know, like Black Flag and stuff like that was Black always Flag kind of Dead Kennedys, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly, and so it's like I'm really, you know, I think it'll be fun to really be able to compare that the next time. Yeah. Um, and I guess the only thing I wanted to end on is we kind of talk about how New York was a breeding ground for all this, and I think it still is a breeding ground. Oh yeah, um, it's one of those places where you can still go and just create like people will still go to like weird, just off, you know, off the beaten path music concerts and stuff, you know, from all sorts of genres. Like people are still going to go to hardcore concerts in New York and people are still going to go that like, you know, there's just uh, an amazing music scene there and you kind of have to, you kind of have to look for it. It's not always in, you know, the most obvious places, but, um, a lot of the stuff I find myself really um, gravitating to, it seems like, oh, well, it was recorded at this one random little place in New York. And so I think uh, this is a good way to say, you know, keep your eyes open for like what's coming out of there because it really hasn't lost its momentum. Um it's just not as easy to it. It's just not as like easy to find, I guess, as maybe it was when it was really starting to boom with hip hop and hardcore. Um, anyways, with that, we'll let you guys go and uh, be sure to follow us on all of our social channels: Instagram, the AVG Music Show, same on Twitter, um, and is on Facebook. Average Joe Music Show, we're there. Um, starting to get more active on there uh, as we start to put out more episodes and um, yeah, feel, feel free to, to give us a follow there, share any of your thoughts and opinions on something possibly may, we may have missed. Uh, Cause we always love it, our, this is why we do this. Cause we love talking about music and discussing it. So if you're someone who also loves that, feel free to, you know, hop on our social channels and hopefully Sometime soon, we'll be able to provide you with something a little bit more so we can have a more personalized conversation on all of this. Because it's definitely, I mean, it's why we do this. It's like one of our passions. You know, we all love music and just want to talk about it and 
the more people we get, the more people, you know, talking about it, the more people, the more things we end up finding that we didn't know about, um, like Garrett and I with Earth Crisis. So anyways, have a great um, rest of your week. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Bye. See ya.